Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being here with me today as we talk about the most important person in your life, you. Now, I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it's really actually kind of true because the truth of the matter is, is, is that you have to be the most important person in your life, not in a conceited, out-of-control way, but simply put in a way that allows you to effectively then be in the world your best, to give your best. You need to be your best. Um, And so in order to get through that, there are a lot of different elements to that. There is the physical, the mental, and the spiritual, and we're going to talk about a lot of all of that today. First off, I want to share with you an amazing, exciting opportunity. From time to time, you know, I've done some live read advertisements in the show. Um, But this one is by far so mind-blowing that I can't believe I've even got an opportunity to offer it to you. Um, my good friend, Errol Abramson, some of you have maybe heard that twice he's been on the show and I'm going to have him back here again. Errol Abramson is a billionaire. That's right, I said billionaire. In fact, according to what he was telling me, his company that he currently has right now made approximately $8.2 billion last year. Um, that's a whole different story for some other time than maybe he'll tell us personally. My point being is, Errol has had um, 47, I believe it is, companies that he has either taken over or started himself and taken them to a point where they were profitable and he either, and, and then he sold them for a profit. He has had 47 successes and no failures and is a multi, multi billionaire. Um, an incredible man uh, listening to him. Uh, you know, doing business coaching with him will, on the one hand, make you feel like you're starting back in business kindergarten, and on the other hand, it will take your business to a place beyond what you can even imagine. Errol uh, can help you be clear on what that business is. Errol helps people make multi, 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 multi-million dollar companies from sometimes nothing or from companies that are failing. He's helped me so many times over the course of the years. Errol now has got just a couple. There's like five spaces, but he has some spaces open to do some personal one-on-one coaching with a very select few people who decide to jump in. Um, Now, here's the mind-blowing part, all right? Are you even ready for this? Most coaches um, that are at that high level would charge you twenty-five to fifty thousand dollars for a session with them. The ones that I know, when they go in and do speaking engagements for groups, 
charge between five and $25,000, depending on how long it is. It's usually about $5,000 for just coming in for the one hour and that's it. Um, more than that, if they are there for like the whole weekend or those kind of things. Um, that's what you would expect to normally pay, to have them just speak to a group, not work with you personally, but just speak to a large group of your people is, you know, usually in most cases, you're going to look at $25,000 to have them come in as a keynote speaker at an event, maybe even 50. Errol is willing to work with you on a one-on-one -on -one basis. That's right, I said one-on-one -on -one basis a call every single week with you and be available via email for 24-7 feedback. I mean, I can't even believe that he's doing this, I gotta tell you, okay? He's willing to do that for $5,000 a month. Now, if you decide you only wanna do one month, which would be crazy, but if you want to, you can do it month to month. That is a ridiculously low price to have literal 24-7 access to Errol um, and to, you know, he said he will do a minimum of two hours uh, of personal over-the-phone coaching with you every week. But he's also, if he needs to get on the phone in order to explain things to you, he absolutely will as you ask the questions. If you're interested in that, reach out to me um, and I will connect you with Errol Personally, I will make a personal introduction. Um, he's a great friend and an amazing businessman. The reason why I bring that up, A, is because he said I could, but B, because it goes to the heart and core of what we're gonna talk about today. Today we're talking about you, the best you, about taking care of the most important person in your life, and that needs to, has to be you. If you have a business, and your business, um, you know, is beginning or it's a multi-billion dollar business, I can guarantee you that part of what is working in your business is having you at the helm. It's your vision, your insight, the systems that you've put in place. All of those kind of things are what makes your business effective. But what happens if you remove you from that equation? What happens if you got deathly sick and all you could do would be to fight to survive? Or what happens if you just woke up one morning and decided you were just done with that business? What would happen to that particular company? In most people's cases, in most business cases, if that primary person just goes away. Now I'm not talking about um, sells the company or creates an extra strategy, but I'm talking about they just, they were there yesterday and today they didn't show up. It would have a dramatic, devastating impact on the company, right? You're important. The same thing's true in the lives of the people that are important to you. You know, a lot of times, uh, you know, it's taken for granted. Um, think about when you were a kid you know, your mom was just there. You didn't, I don't know if you ever, most of us didn't, say thanks. Not, definitely not as much as we should have to our moms. What about our dads? You know, a lot of times, um, especially these days, moms are getting a little bit more recognition, which they totally deserve, and I do not want to take away from them at all. 
but you know there still isn't a lot of recognition for what a good dad does i mean i think we're getting a lot of light shown on the dads that aren't doing what they need to do but what about the good dad that guy that gets up in the morning sometimes before the sun's up drives to work works hard even if he works from home and doesn't drive anywhere works hard works all day and then at the end of his day is tired and maybe sometimes we have stories about how dad wasn't quite there for me dad was always busy those kind of things but sometimes we don't realize all that the dad did for us you know Chris Rock tells the joke about, you know, being thankful to your dad. Hey, dad, thanks for knocking out this rent. You know, it's so easy to read this book because of all these lights that I can see by. Those kind of things, right? Um, so it's important that we, as the mom, the dad, whatever, show up and do our best because we are impacting people's lives. But I want to take that a step deeper. You need to show up in your own life. You need to be the first person to like your Facebook post, to take good care of yourself, to maximize who you are, to deal with the issues that you have head on in a powerful way to continually being improving yourself. None of us are perfect. I don't even want you to try to strive for that perfection. I did that. I've done that for so many years where I felt like I had to be perfect. I have even could give you example after example after example that have reinforced that message that I gave to myself that whenever I wasn't perfect that it cost me that people would... Um, you know, treat me badly, that they um, would leave me, that they would do all kinds of things that were hurtful to me because I wasn't perfect. See, here's the thing. You need to be perfect only in the stance that you are being the best you, you can be today. Because perfect is a word I shy away from in that although I could call this really truly perfect, because doing your best today with the mistakes you're gonna make, the faults that you have, the things you're currently overcoming, all of those as part of who you are today, but doing your best from that point, that's really what perfect is. I've said it before on the show, but it's been a while since I brought it up, and I want to remind you, true humility is a right perspective of yourself. It's being able to say, hey, you know, I'm really good at this particular thing, rather than being, uh, you know, always downplaying yourself, saying negative stuff about yourself, actually degrading yourself is a form of conceit. I wanted to let that set in for a second. It's, you know, perhaps the B-side of the conceit album, but it's not healthy to put on a sense of what we've been told was humble, to 
make ourselves low enough to be able to then let others feel good about themselves. That's not showing up well. I can give you an example from my own life. Way back, you know, I'm, I've said on the show many times, you know, I was probably the most prepared to be an adult 18-year-old that an 18-year-old can be. I lacked one major thing, and that's wisdom that comes only from experience. There's a few other things. We won't talk about all of those. I was not perfect. But I had lots of good mentoring, lots of training, all of the things instilled in me to be prepared to take the world by storm as an 18-year-old. But then I didn't. I didn't because very early on, I took on a false sense of humility with the intention to be respectful. I was intending to show respect to people who didn't necessarily have the training or information that I had in a particular subject. And I bowed to, or in most cases, it wasn't even a matter of submitting to what they said as much as it was just simply being quiet when they were saying something that wasn't technically correct. Now, there's a certain level of arrogance that comes when you're 18. Um, and uh, in private moments with people, I would definitely rant and rave about how wrong that person was coming from that place of 18-year-old exuberant conceit. We all remember what that was like, don't we? But what I didn't understand was what I needed to learn. And probably, really, let's be honest, this only comes with age and wisdom. What I needed to learn was how to be able to be clear, concise, and honest with the information that I had. Not in a way to prove the person wrong, to embarrass them, to be right, to be haughty, to be arrogant, any of those kind of things, but simply from the standpoint of not allowing myself to degrade myself and what I already knew through silence on something. And in that silence, you end up finding yourself, I can tell you because I did it, accepting and allowing things both in your life as well as in the lives of the people around you that were not helpful for them simply because I didn't show up as who I was. And I did it for years, so this isn't just me talking about, you know, a potentially overly full of himself 18-year-old. I did this up until Joe. All of the things I've done, all of the things I've learned, all of the even coaching that I've done here on the show, I would allow others to circumvent their opinions over my own to be respectful. Even if I knew that they weren't right, I would give more weight and power to their voice over the knowledge and the wisdom that I had developed, the training that I had gotten from others 
sometimes even others that knew more what they were speaking about than the person that I was trying to respect. Now, I'm not trying to diss anybody, including myself. It was a choice I made through lack of understanding. And what I had to come to realize was sometimes we just need to calmly, politely say, I appreciate what you're saying, but that's not correct. Airplanes fly in the air. If a pilot tried to tell you, I'm going to drive this airplane down the interstate highway and I'm going to take the people from Seattle to Chicago across the interstate and never get the plane off the ground. Someone who knew enough about the purpose for an airplane would, would be right in saying, I'm sorry, but that's not proper. Sure, that airplane can drive on the ground all the way. Its tires aren't really meant to do that, but it, it, it could conceivably do that. But that's not its purpose. You see, each of us has a purpose. Each of us needs to stand up for who we are. We need to take care of ourselves. We need to value ourselves. So today I've got some really great, amazing, best-selling, international best-selling authors that are going to share with you um, a couple of different things about really, truly understanding how amazing you are and then really, truly taking great care of yourself in the place that you are right now. Don't allow yourself to fall into that trap of diminishing your greatness be open to how amazing you are and allow space for others to be as amazing as they are too. Thrive in the place that you live. Be a thriving entrepreneur and be the first one to encourage others to live in a place of thriving in their own life, both mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And then together we can all come together and live as thriving entrepreneurs. We'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening today to Thriving Entrepreneur as we talk about you. We talk about the most important thing in your life, and that's you. 
That's right, you need to really, really maximize, be the best you you can be. And there are some secrets to that. One of the very, very first pieces of that is just simply embracing that. So let's jump into some talks here with our international best-selling authors and see if they can help us with that mind game, that mental and emotional stuff that we deal with to be able to be the best version of ourselves. Often we find ourselves struggling with significance, but did you know that you are significant? We're joined today by international best-selling author, Angela Ferguson. Her book, A Significant You, Get Ready to Live Your Life in Fearless Significance Because You Are a Masterpiece. Hey, Angela, so glad to have you here with us today. Thanks for joining. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about who you are and where the concept of writing a book about significance comes from. Okay, Steve, I I am a remarkable, inspiring people builder and I currently um, work in an organization as a master trainer where I help people transform their lives from the inside out. And then I align them appropriately to go into a particular role and then follow up with that person to ensure that, you know, they're successful and doing their absolute best each day. And um, that's very exciting for me because the book came about because I was an extremely timid person and it took me a while to get to this place where I know that I'm significant. I walk in my significance every day and I want people to know that they are significant and you don't have to struggle to figure out who you are because God has already told us who we are. And so once we believe that and have a support system because um, most of the times we have parents or siblings or just friends who you know want the best for us but don't really tell us how awesome we are and how remarkable we are and how we should you know just go through every single day getting from the day and not just getting through the day and so I wanted to you know to to tell people that on a larger scale and that's why the book came about because um I found it to be so meaningful when I have conversations with people who, in my mind, I would be thinking that they are already there, that they have self-actualized. And I have the conversation with them and I ask them who they are and they can't tell me. And, uh, you know, we would have conversations and they would walk away and I can see that they, they would be feeling a whole lot different. And then oftentimes I would get a call that, you know, the person would say to me, you know, that conversation we had the other day. And so I, I decided, you know what, I need to put this in a book. And it's, it's very exciting. It's very exciting. And we're very glad you did. I know you say in the book, and uh, it's so true, a lot of people haven't even really come up with the answer for the question why was I born? 
Um, talk to talk about that a little bit. A lot, a lot. The part where I said a lot of people have not come up with the answers. Yeah. Okay, so it, it's ironic that you said that because persons that have read the book, they have called um, persons that I know to say um, this particular area in the book have really touched them. Um, I have a an individual that I work with and this person I really admire and, you know, um, for a very long time we worked together in different organizations and, you know, the person called and they were crying and they said, you know, what's going on? And they said to me, I am so glad you've written this book. Thank you so much. And the same thing that you've, you, you've mentioned, that particular area, I, for me, I wanted so badly as a timid person with that horrifying experience every day when I walk up my door that I'm going to face people who are going to have conversations with me or I need to ask my boss for a raise. How am I going to do this? Or I need to stand up to somebody who doesn't like me too much, you know, and I couldn't do it. And I would answer the phones at my job and I would hear my voice and I'd be like, oh my God, like, are other person, people listening to me right now? Because I was so insecure and, you know, just not knowing how to, to be that fearless, bold person. And so I started literally looking up to people who were successful, who had, again, to me, self-actualized and who would have been there, done that, know where they were going, um, would have, you know, uh, worked in organizations that were successful, would have been at the helm. And then something happens and I'm like, oh my God, like this person, this person is really not leading with significance. They're really not helping people to grow and, 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 and to develop themselves. And so I, became, I started looking, you know, I would look at this person, I would look at the next person, and I, I became so disappointed with what I saw that I said to myself one day, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to be the leader that I want to see. And that's when I got more and more into the Bible and, you know, started reading and repeating the things that God says about us. And, and you know, I realized that I was becoming very comfortable with myself, very comfortable. And, um, you know, one day I said to myself, you know, yeah, I'm married. I have a great husband. But when we go to sleep, you know, he can't sleep for me I have to I, I have to sleep for myself you know like people can't do things for you you have to do them for yourselves you have, you have to do your own setups they can tell you um and there, there was just a shift it was just a shift like there was no more judgment there was no criticizing when they would hurt my feelings um there was no walking away and saying gosh, this is a horrible person. I literally started becoming very um, sympathetic 
um, wanting to to help this person to understand that, you know, if you know who you are, you are going to be nicer to people. You're going to lead differently. You're going to think differently. You're going to show up in the world every single day and act differently. So that's the, the gist of um, how that part came about. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting how, you know, that particular section has touched so many people. Yeah, I bet. So how do we live our life in fearless significance? What's some keys to doing that? The key to doing that is understanding, Steve, and believing what God says about you. If he says that you are fearless, you know, he said that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. He says that we are blessed. You know, he says all these things about us. And when you start to believe those things, because we say them, you know, we, we say them, but do we really believe it? And when we start to believe those things, every decision you make, um, that undergirds every decision that you make. You know, you, you, again, back, back to my husband, I was so timid. I would just fantasize about, am I going to get married? I wonder what it's going to look like. I came to the point where I was like, you know what? It's okay. I can be 80 and single. That's fine. Because in my mind, I said to myself, you know, I could not even see myself walking down the aisle. I, I, I couldn't see myself just being with a particular individual because I would second guess myself so much. I, I, I was just so afraid. And when I started believing those things, when I got married, I, I knew that I'd married a whole person and I was a whole person. And so if I had to pour into him, I would never be empty because I would keep filling up myself, filling up myself with what God said to me. And what was so amazing about that, Steve, is that I, I developed such a personal relationship with God because, you know, when you go through timidity most of your life and to the extreme that I went through it, you realize if he is your friend, he's the only friend you need. And so you become so dependent on him that you get to know him in a totally different way, totally different way. And um, that's where the word significance came in because I was, I, I didn't mention this in the book, but I was literally laying down one night and um, I just felt so great about who I, I, I was becoming. And I'm a master trainer now and I've trained thousands of persons by myself, in a room, by myself. And I could not have spoken to more than five persons at a time. Um, and even sometimes that's very difficult if there was an aggressive person or, or an extrovert in, 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 in the group. And um, the word significance came in my mind. And I knew God had spoken that word to me. I, I just knew it because I, I've, I've had so many times with him by myself 
because I was so timid that I, I've come to know his voice. And I sprung out of the bed and I ran into the front room and I just started praising and just, you know, just, I was so excited. And I said, yes, I'm significant. I'm significant. I know that I'm significant. And that's where, that's where the word comes in. So I, I just want people to know that if you believe it, not just say it, then you will act it out and, and you will give other people the permission to do the same, you know, um, and, and to just, just be the significant version of ourselves every day. The book is called A Significant You. Get ready to live your life in fearless significance because you are a masterpiece. Get it on Amazon today. It is a great international best-selling book, number one new releases on Amazon. You really need to get the book today. Thank you, Angela, for spending some time here on the show with us today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it very much. You are a masterpiece. You really need to embrace that. I know we live in a world where, you know, we're supposed to not say things like that about ourselves, that that makes us seem like a conceited individual. But I really want you to embrace true humility, knowing that you are good at things, and then being openly able to acknowledge not only all the things that you're so easily acknowledged to people about what you did wrong, but how about the things that you're really good at? Celebrate you. You are worth it. You are so amazing. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we'll be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelp.com youthrive.com check us out and find out how you can be a best-selling author today welcome back to thriving entrepreneur this steve welcome back thanks for listening to thriving entrepreneur today in the last segment we were talking about you know really embracing the masterpiece that is you really truly identifying who you are and then living powerfully in it but now we want to talk about some of the things that um, you know you just deal with physically some of the stuff that is really hard to get past but as you discover methodologies to be able to do that you can then show up as just the most powerful, awesome, dynamic you that you can possibly be. 
all of us have pain in one degree or another, but there are some people who have to live on a day-to-day -day basis with chronic pain. And a lot of times it feels like there is just no relief, but there is the ability to live a pain-free life where you live a full life despite having chronic pain. And to help us with that, I'm joined today by international best-selling author, Michelle Johnson, as we talk about her book, pain-free. Hi, Michelle. Glad to have you with us here today. Hi, hi, hi. Thank you so much for having me on today. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do in the world. Absolutely. So I am a family medicine physician assistant, which means that I take care of people with all kinds of illnesses. Um, and I'm also a chronic pain survivor of fibromyalgia for the last 18 years. And so what I do in the world is I help to take care of people. I help to motivate, inspire, and heal those with chronic pain and invisible illness um, by the techniques I use in my book. So more uh, things that you can't talk about in the exam room. So really dealing with stress, really dealing with those uh, issues of mourning when you lose something as as important as your ability to to move without pain so that's kind of my mission in the world and i've been kind of loving going after it and i know you go by the title the pain-free pa yes yes yeah. yes yes so it does not mean free of pain um, i try to reframe the definition of pain-free by making it mean living full life despite chronic pain because we can't make most of our pain go away but we can decide to live a full life even though we have chronic pain so that's my new definition of pain-free so let's talk a little bit about your past um, because it's really intriguing you even talk about in the description of your book having survived 141 dollars per month in food stamps living in a rat and roach infested basement um, you know, what did you do to come from there? Well, um, I grew up in a family. I won't say that we were poor because we definitely had a lot of richness in spirit. And many of the people in my family had money to make it as the working class. Um, but when I grew up, um, I had a lot of promise. I was um, scheduled to be at some of the top schools, but I ended up getting sick. And so with that diagnosis at age 23, it was very difficult for me to work. I had a hard time holding on to a job. And I had already decided I wanted to go back to school, but I was going to apply for disability because I wasn't able to work due to my pain. When um, I went to the disability office, I had also applied for food stamps. And uh, the food stamp people had additionally rejected me, but then they came back with $141, which I was so happy to get um, because I didn't know how I would eat if I didn't have that help. Um, and I thought if I go and get on disability, then I will at least be able to support myself and try to go to school and make something of myself. But um, as I kind of describe in the story, when I got to the disability office, Everyone was super sick. Everyone looked sick. They had oxygen masks and wheelchairs. And here I am, a 23-year-old with uh, a washboard stomach and muscles. And I looked totally out of place. They told me I didn't look sick. 
and I ended up being denied for disability, even though I was literally crawling to the bathroom on some days because I could not walk because of my pain. So um, I didn't come from a place of having a whole lot to begin with, but I did have a lot of potential, a lot of love. It's just that I got sick. Yeah. And it's really tough too, because there are a lot of people that deal with pain on a day-to-day -day basis that aren't necessarily, you know, I mean, there's some things it's like here, you know, if you don't have legs, you, you know, there's an answer to that. Not, saying, right. you know, you can get legs back, but you know, there's answers to that, but things right. like fibromyalgia and stuff like that. I don't know that we really have a whole lot of answers to things like that at this point. And, you know, there's a lot of theories about pain and people's motivation to even solve chronic pain issues because, you know, the longer you keep people sick, the more you can keep people on medications. And I get reached out to by people all the time, people with lupus, people with MS, people with Lyme disease. Um, there's a lot of invisible illness out there and people are really just trying to make it. And you're right, there's not a lot of medications that really help with pain. Now, your mom has a great chant that throughout all of this you've hung on to. Can you tell us that? So my mom is the original boss lady, I tell you, um, despite any circumstance. And I don't know where she came up with this chant. But what she would say is, you know, remember, baby, you can always pick yourself up, brush yourself off, and start all over again. And it's so funny, I could hear it in my head. She says, say, you can start all over again because every day we get a chance to start again, even if we fail, even if we messed up that day. And coming from that disability office, I got to tell you, I was pretty broken um, just to be invalidated. I felt that despite my pain, it was not enough to say I needed help. And it was one of the best things that ever happened to me because it forced me to find another way. And sometimes that's what we have to do. We have to find another way. And that chant just kept me going um, through hard times, through uh, when I thought that I wouldn't make it through school, through um, when I got accepted to Duke, but I didn't have the money to get in. Um, just every breakdown that has been in the back of my head. And I just thank her for that piece of advice. Yeah, thanks, Mom. We all appreciate that. That's great advice. Even for the times when we've rolled our eyes at you when you said it to us, right? <laughs> right, because you get, you get tired of hearing, especially as a teenager, uh, the words of wisdom. But you'll never, you never know what will stick in your kid's mind, so just keep up with it. So here's my unfair question of the day. Um, <laughs> and it really just depends on where you're at today. But... What is your favorite part of the book? Oh, goodness. Okay, okay. So I love the book um, because, of course, it's, you know, been something I've been working on for the past year. And it's hard to pick a favorite part. But I think the most hopeful part was when um, I talk about going from breakdowns to breakthroughs. Um, my, I, I call them my fair godparents. I had arrived on the doorstep of Duke and um, was told that I wouldn't be able to start because I didn't have money to start. 
And within 24 hours of reaching out to people, um, this couple, I named them Lauren and Edward in the book, um, overnighted me $8,230 to pay my tuition so that I could start my education. And without them, I would not have been able to attend school. And so it's been one of the most life-changing things in a way for me to be educated and provide my message to the world. So that trajectory may not have happened had it not been from the kindness of strangers. And so I go after being that for people, being a stranger who can do one thing that changes the trajectory of their life. And so that's my favorite part <laughs> today. That's so amazing. Well, I'm glad they did so that we have you now to be able to help all of us that sometimes we have days where the pain is just a little bit too much. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of which, I know that both in the practice as well as just probably in day-to-day -day life, you've had people come up to you and go, yeah, but Michelle, you don't understand how mm -hmm. bad things are for me. What do you say to them? Well, we all are at a different place. And, you know, everything is never for everybody. I, I even tell people that when I prescribe medication for things, um, that we don't ever know what a medicine is going to do until we put it in you, okay? We don't know what side effects you're going to face. We don't know if you're going to completely recover until we put the medicine in you. So until you try the motivational techniques, until you try the uh, daily disciplines that I talk about in my book that I have seen work not only for me, but for many, many patients in my practice. Until you try, you really can't say what won't work. I think it comes from a place of um, being already defeated. And so many of us with chronic pain are. We've gone to eight, 10 doctors. We have been told before that it's all in our head. So it's really, really difficult to trust what someone is saying. And um, I could even speak to this. I just got an email from one of my patients because she read the book. And her state of mind when she read it was, you know, let me explain what it was like when I first met you, Michelle. So she sent me this email and it talks about Michelle, when I first met you, I had it already set in my mind that I wasn't going to trust you. I had been to all kinds of doctors that had blown me off. She says, but the difference is you listened to me, you empathized with me, and you knew where I was coming from. And it made all the difference. Am I better? Not totally, but I'm on my way there. And it's all because you listened to me. And so I would, I would say to those people, like I always do, just try one more time. It's possible. Well, we all appreciate it. And I know, you know, just like the lady from the letter said, that it's so impactful when you finally have somebody that'll just listen to you. Because a lot of people run into that as soon as the doctor can find an easy excuse or an easy answer for, you know, they'll just stop there. You know what I mean? And, and that's so common to hear, but I address that too, just coming from the medical side, you know, doctors a lot of times are burned out. They are seeing 30 patients in an eight hour day. They have 15 minutes to see three patients. And that's kind of the norm in our family practice system right now. So I do have compassion for the doctor's position they are trying to 
um, basically see as many as possible at one time and get you out. So there's not, the system is not really conducive to learning about people with chronic pain and who may take a little bit longer. And so I devised kind of a, a help to bridge that gap. It's called the pain-free doctor visit. And, you know, I have free available on my website for people to get the biggest bang for their buck out of their doctor's visit so that both parties can feel like they're contributing and people can feel good about the visit. The doctor can feel about good about the fact that they help this patient. So we, there, we need a fix. <laughs> so it's not one-sided. It's, it's, all cited. Yeah, most definitely. So, and especially because you're a medical professional, um, I know there are a lot of things that you would need to see the person before you could give them specific advice, but are there some things that a person can do before seeing you or another medical professional that can help? Um, absolutely. I think one of the biggest things, if you have a diagnosis, being familiar with what's normal and what's abnormal in your diagnosis is helpful um, because sometimes our anxiety goes up, right? Because we have a new symptom or something strange is happening in our body. And then we find out, oh, this is part of your particular ailment. So to kind of know those things ahead of time, I think helps a patient to not feel so anxious and kind of know when, hey, this is not normal. Um, so it's helpful to know about your condition. The other thing that's really, really helpful is um, to find a community of support. So that was my main goal in creating the Pain-Free PA community and Pain-Free Warriors is that you, you need people around you who get what you're going through. So yeah, you can vent on the down days, but that you can source solutions together on the great days. Um, people find all kinds of helpful things in these communities that if you hadn't had someone else going through it, you may have been suffering in silence for years over something that could have simply been fixed. So getting educated about your disease or your ailment, ailment and making sure that you have a community of support around you are two huge things. And the third thing, which I think is the hardest for all of us, is to keep a plan on managing our stress. Stress comes in so many different ways. You know, good stress, like I found a new job that's across the country, but you still gotta move across country. Uh, good stress, like getting married, good stress like those, but also bad stress, like when my husband was diagnosed with cancer and we were moving across country and I lost almost 40 pounds from stress. So that of course affected my illness. And so I think keeping, that's the biggest one um, that is hard <laughs> that can make a big difference in your life. So those three things are my takeaways from today. Perfect. So somebody that wants to uh, go deeper with you, how can they get in contact with you? Well, um, my website is uh, www.thepainfreepa.com. There is a email drop in there where you can get free action steps for how to live a full life. You can get that free uh, pain-free doctor visit that I talked about. Um, I can also be reached on my Facebook page at pain-free PA and on Instagram, the pain-free PA with underscores between each of the letters. And um, you can always drop in my DM or in my message on Facebook. And I'm happy to answer questions and uh, offer any uh, non-medical advice that I can, because uh, as 
if you're not my patient, of course, I wouldn't offer medical advice in that particular way. But I'm totally available and I love helping. So any questions, um, I'm happy to receive them. Also by email at contact at thepainfreepa.com. And of course, you can get the book, Pain-Free, How to Live a Full Life Despite Chronic Pain. It's available on Amazon in both print and ebook form by international best-selling author, Michelle Johnson. Michelle, thanks so much for spending some time with us on the show today. Yay, thank you so much for having me. Um, I look forward to uh, serving your viewers in any way that I can. So like I said, please don't hesitate to reach out and thank you so much for having me, Steve. Imagine how powerful it is when you can learn to live the pain-free life like what Michelle is talking about in this book. It really is powerful to understand what's going on in our physical body or other things and then find proper solutions to help us show up powerfully as we live and are being the best us in all that we do. That is really really a huge tip in living as a thriving entrepreneur. We'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. I really hope you up-leveled you. More than anything, I hope you just embraced that who you are, all of the challenges and all of the greatnesses that is you, really is the number one most important thing in your life. Because when you properly take good care of you, it then allows you to do all those other things that are so easy to bring in and have be the things that we have be our full focus. But sometimes we need to remember that it all stems from the core of being able to show up, to have the pain in our life not take us out of the race, to have the words and emotions and thoughts and feelings we have about ourselves not remove us from the competition before we ever start. We need to value ourselves. You really truly are amazing. I know it. I'm sure of it. There is such a reason and a plan and a purpose for you. 
you're here. You're here to win. But you're also here to celebrate you. We celebrate you. We see how amazing you are. The saddest part is, is that for most all of us, myself included, the person who sees us the least, acknowledges us the least, celebrates us the least, is us. I want to try to free you a little bit from that today. I want you to really feel powerfully free to show up as the best version of who you are and to celebrate that. To be able to, in all humility, say, I'm amazing at, and then fill in the thing that you do. I've talked um, in the closing segments a couple of times. Sometimes while I'm putting together the show, I will off air, I will say, wow, I did a really great job at that. And, you know, if you were just sitting across the room or listening in and you heard me, you'd be like, wow, that guy's really conceited. <laughs> but it's really about learning to celebrate those little victories in our own life. You need me to give you a more practical business reason. What you practice as a solo entrepreneur in rewarding yourself for will become part of the culture when the company is bigger than who you are, when the company has more people than just you. But if you don't put them into place now, later on when your employees need accolades, they need somebody who has a habit of celebrating victories, you won't have created that in yourself. Or they'll always wonder if it's really true because they see you being mean to yourself and then saying things about you. We don't have to be conceited, but we can show up as powerful leaders. And you know why? Because you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose, and the world needs you. Know that. Own that. Claim it. Be the best you because you're amazing. And be okay with the acknowledgement of the things you're good at so that you can show up today and every day as a thriving entrepreneur. Until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. 
Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today.